Hey, hey, it's me, Lexi, or Alexandria Mack, if you want to be more technical. We've reached the last three episodes of our inner season, Las Cronicas, and I just want to preface my stories by saying that when I was choosing what stories I wanted to dive into, I wanted to venture into something I really had no idea about. People, places, and things that were going to be completely new to me, and I definitely succeeded. Let's head to the station so I can tell you and my co-hosts about it. This is Speaking Of, a podcast by Milwaukee PBS. Scotty, Mariano, I have some trivia for you. True or false, the Great Wall of China is held together by sticky rice. (laughs) Okay, so my brain wants to say absolutely not, that's impossible. My heart wants to say yes, because that would be an incredible story. But like, what? there's no way. I'm going to just go ahead and say no, because that seems nuts. That's a heck of a lot of rice. But, you know, this is your story, so you tell us. Well, gentlemen, the answer is true. What? No. Around 500 CE, sticky rice soup was mixed with slaked lime to make an inorganic organic composite mortar that had more strength and water resistance than lime mortar. Using sticky rice as a construction ingredient was one of the greatest innovations by the Ming Dynasty, helping their structures, which included tombs and pagodas, survive earthquakes and the elements. How do you feel about that? I want to know if this compound structure is still being used in some capacity today. Do we know the answer to that? I'm just speechless. This is, I don't, that just blew my mind a little bit. So, uh, yep. Also, I feel like we often think as like old civilizations as like primitive and like the ingenuity. It's always incredible and fascinating. The deeper we dig into these civilizations, it's always just so impressive. Yeah, to answer your question, I don't know if it's still used in construction, but when I found this fact, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was unreal. I had to check multiple sources to make sure that I wasn't giving false information. But yeah, that's a real thing. I can't imagine my house being held together by sticky rice. But it kind of reminds me of when people say that houses built in like the 1950s or early 1900s are more structurally sound than houses built today because materials used today are cheaper. So I kind of think to that like, okay, sometimes things from the past are actually more efficient than things today, even though we always have that recency bias. So yeah. And just like the Great Wall of China, rice holds together my next three chronicles. So we can ditch the station so I can take listeners on a quick commute to Mequon to meet someone that is trying to do big things in Wisconsin when it comes to this little crop. My name is Michael Schlappi. I'm a professor of biological sciences at Marquette University. When I joined Michael in the field, it was a sunny 70 plus degree day. He came ready with a big brim hat, sunscreen on the nose and knee high boots ready to get deep into the wetlands of the farm. Even at 10 a.m., the farm was alive with the buzzes of bugs and bees alike. We are at the Mequon Nature Preserve, but we're standing on an old homestead farm, which is called the Staus Farm, many years ago. But the preserve bought it and is trying to get most of the farmland into nature, like, like prairie and wetland. And so the rice that I'm growing here in artificial paddies is in a way a form of wetlands that I'm creating as part of the mission of the nature preserve as well. Michael's research is testing growing rice in colder environments versus the warmer climates that they're usually grown in. 
states like Arkansas, California, Texas, Louisiana, for example. And the reason being is that those places are not only warmer, but drier. And with increases in droughts over time, it's likely to be harder to grow rice in these areas. What do you guys think is Wisconsin's leading cash crop and why? I have two guesses. I think it's either ginseng or cranberries. And ginseng, I know we have a huge Hmong community up in the Wausau area. And our ginseng is sent, like Napa Valley wine is like Wisconsin ginseng. Like our ginseng is heralded around the world, especially in China. Like we get a high price for it. And cranberries, I believe, is sort of also part of our identity. So I think it's one of the two. That's my guess. Does cheese count? Yes and no, because when I think of a crop, I think of something that grows out the ground, but I definitely get what you're saying. So explain to me cheese and give me another one, too. I, I was kind of just teasing, but we did do the documentary. Well, I didn't, but Scotty was part of putting together the, the Dairyland documentary, and that is what Wisconsin is known for across the lake and across the country. And that is an agricultural product. But I think if I had to guess, I don't know. I don't know enough. I know that something that surprised me is that Michigan, just across the lake, it's mint is one of the biggest crops. And it's like the best, some of the best mint in the world. Hmm. In fact, it's the largest producing mint region in the country. Huh. So that's something that surprised me. So I, it could be something as weird as ginseng, and that's just like the thing. I do know that this used to be the rice capital of Native American societies, which were a lot more... I guess, commercially integrated than people realize. There, there were commercial routes that took folks from here all the way down to South America and mm. back. So I do know that the, one of the biggest exports of uh, the Midwest Great Lakes region was, was rice. But I don't know. I, you don't hear about Great Lakes rice anymore. I like your thinking, gentlemen. I like your thinking. So these are all ranked number one as far as Wisconsin's leading cash crops. Wisconsin is number one in these categories. Cheese. So that's why I said, like, okay, cheese isn't really a crop, but I, you know, I see it. I understand. We are the dairy state. Corn, cranberries, yay for Scotty, and snap beans. So Wisconsin was number one in all those categories. My next question to you is what state do you think produces the most rice? Louisiana. Why Louisiana? They just have, like, the basin and... I would think of the Everglades, but the Everglades are kind of wild and it's mostly marshes. Whereas Louisiana has a very, very vast river basin and also it mixes with the ocean. And so it seems to me like it would be absolutely perfect conditions for it. It's warm all the time. It's very humid. So I don't know. That's That would be my guess. I like your thinking. You're thinking water, climate, good rationale. What about you, Scotty? I feel like... The easy answer is California, just because of its size and its scale and its variety of climate throughout. They seem to be number one in so many agricultural categories. So I'm going to go with California. Well, gentlemen, (laughs) you're both incorrect. (laughs) So Arkansas actually harvests about 50% of the rice in the U.S. California is among the top, as well as, I believe, Louisiana and Texas. And although rice is not on the state's radar of most commercially grown crops, it is a crop that plays a big role in keeping the world fed. According to National Geographic, rice is a food staple for more than three and a half billion people, particularly in Asia, Latin America, and parts of Africa. 
Rice feeds about more than half of the world's population in terms of caloric intake is, is provided by rice. So it's a very, very important plant. And it's grown in the states, mostly in Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, and California. But Arkansas provides more than 50% of the rice harvest in the states. So they have very flat lands and they have rice research centers there. So now I'm collaborating with the, uh, the rice research center in Arkansas as well. But their problem is that they're losing water every year. So they have to pump groundwater. And in California, there's the mega drought for the last seven, eight years. So our prediction is most people predict that maybe in 10, maybe in 20 years, there won't be any more rice grown in Arkansas because there's simply no water. There's no groundwater or no rice in California. But places like Wisconsin, although cold, have access to a lot of water through our lakes, rivers, and streams, which is essential for a high yield. His hope is that this organically grown rice can prove that Wisconsin does have the capacity to grow rice commercially, no matter how tedious the process may be. But Michael doesn't do this alone. In part two, we'll meet one of the farmers that helps with the planting and harvest of redstone rice and break down why she thinks rice is life. I'm Alexandria Mack. I'm Scotty Lee Myers. And I'm Mariano Avila. Thanks for listening.